1: I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us.
0: <laughs> it's probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean we say it all the time, whether you know there's two types of turds. You're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean um, we're we're we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays.
1: Welcome to the varsity club podcast. We are not in conference room. Office, but it's good because then that means the sound quality is going to be a little bit better. And I got a guy across from me. that doesn't really need an introduction. Jay Moore is here. How are you? Good. How are you?
0: Good.
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me on. I am glad that you're here because you have a new project that you're working on that's coming yeah. in Hill Varsity. Yeah, yeah.
2: It's it's been fun. It's been a lot fun last uh, couple of weeks. Yeah, got a podcast. More to it. Podcasts. Um, you know, I kind of re- I reached out to to you guys and said, hey. I have an idea and it kind of, it came to me and it were <laughs> a lot of times, a lot of good ideas come to me over a couple of beers. Um, <laughs> those the best I know. Right. And I'm just like, gosh, cause I ran into, um, I tell people I ran into Zach Bowman up at a at a bar in Omaha one night and I hadn't seen Zach in man, it's been a couple years. And it's like, it just gave you an appreciation. like, Oh my, I didn't even know he, like, I knew he was in Omaha, but I just didn't know like where, what he was doing. And it's just, I don't want to say sad, but it's like, this is, you know, I got guys who live in Lincoln, who live in Omaha, who I just don't keep in touch with. And that's just a part of, you know, you have kids and other jobs, and you just, it just happens. Um, And I just said, you know what? I talking to them for 20, 30 minutes. I'm like, I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going to turn this into a podcast. I just want to get in touch with people. And whether I play with them or not, I'm at Nebraska. um, I want to do it because I think people, the stories, the the all just the stuff you can get into the fun things you can get into um just that you can do in a podcast i think people would generally want to hear so um pitched it to to hell varsity said yeah great so it's been an awesome collaboration doing it so far i can't wait for people to hear the content um hear the stories hear the interviews hear the fun stories and hear the you know the the grind that you know we go through as ex-NFL athletes and mm-hmm. the business side of things that people might not realize and just the stuff that, um, you know, you just, you don't, you, you see what happens on Sunday a lot or Saturdays, but what happens, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So it's it's been fun. It's been a lot. It's a blast. And I just, I'm looking forward to the guests that I have lined up coming up. I'm um, excited for, you know, the people to hear the interviews that I've already, you know, have done.
1: I think the most important question, will this be conducted over beers at a bar so, Is that what's
2: happening? So ideally, yes. So, um, because that's
1: when you can get your guests abso- to really so, open up.
2: Yeah. So I have done one podcast. I did. So it just at the time of day has to do with it. So I'll. So when I did my first one with Doke, we in the offices here at Hell Varsity, he doesn't drink. Okay. So and you know being in the office setting, I you know I didn't know you don't always want to be the last the only guy drinking. So when Kenny and I did it, yes, that was over a couple beers, okay. and that was a good one. Um, then I did the third, my third one with Bo. I had a beer, but Bo's kind of like, he's, he has his routine and it was a one thirty on a Tuesday and he was still kind of work. I went to his house. I had a beer. I'm like, you have a beer? And I'm like, and he's, he's like, no, I can't have a beer. It's one 30. I still got to get some work done. I'm like, that's BS. You can still operate, you know, after a couple of beers. Ideally. Yes. Like that's my, I told him, I, when I text people, they're like, ah, I don't have much to say. I go, you'll have more to say after you have a few beers. Yeah you know and that's that'd be my plan because i think that's the best that's um i want people to be relaxed and you know not feeling like i'm grilling them on a bunch of different topics but having have them over beers that's that's the way to do it so i think the name suggests it but
1: the the more to it podcast are you talking football or are you talking life because when you text a guy and he says oh i don't really have much to say yes you do like you guys have very interesting stories about how to balance things what's the balance
2: yeah so when i reach out to people and how many text messages and you know and Twitter messages and stuff I send to people? They're like, "What's the topic?" I go, "There is no topic." I go, "We're just going to get on in in chit chat, talk stories, um, just see where it goes." I kind of can can get a good feel um, for how the, where they're going and what they're thinking, and you know, kind of piggyback off the topics that they've already brought up, um, and it might just be straight up Nebraska football talk. It might be their time spent in the NFL and their experiences and the great players they've been around and what makes this player great. Um, it could be more serious. It could be really fun and goofy and, you know, busting each other up, you know, making fun of each other for 30, 40 minutes, whatever it may be. It could be a lot of talk. Talk about golf. I love golf. Like, um, a lot of my former players, a lot of former teammates love golf. We could spend some time talking. I, I think that's the beauty of it is there's no, like, okay, we're going to talk about why Nebraska went 5 and 7 last year and that's not what I want to really I mean that's going to happen you know come in the fall doing some post game stuff but um not now I just think it's I don't want to be more fun up you know not so you know a b c d it's just start talking it's it's supposed to be like a bar conversation in my opinion like you just met a guy or you saw you haven't seen a guy in 2 years it's catch yeah. up yeah. you know I think that's I think people will enjoy that
1: Okay, so give me a more to it Jay Moore golf story.
2: <laughs> you have a story locked and loaded? Well, we haven't. Uh, well, Doke and I talked a little golf. I, I didn't get a chance to to talk golf with Kenny because I know he enjoys golf, but I know he's re- rehabbing. Um, you know, I didn't have. Bo's does. Bo kind of got me into golf really? um, a little bit. Yeah. Well, Bo and. So. I didn't start playing golf until I got into college. And this is Bo Rude. Bo Rude. Not, yeah, yeah, not Bo, Bo Polini, Yeah. Sorry, Bo Rude. Bad dude Bo Rude, as I call him. Um, yeah, I didn't play golf until I got into to college. And um, me, Bo Rude, and Stu Bradley, we were kind of like the three amigos. Like we were, That's who we hung out all the time. Uh, Bo grew up playing golf. Stu grew up playing golf. So they kind of got me on the golf course. That was terrible. They would kill me because they grew up playing. I um, I got addicted to it, so I, I, I partially blame Bo now for my addiction to the, to the, to the game of golf, but, uh, no, Doke and I, Doke's I played, and Doke loves golf. Um, he had a putting deal in his, in his office down at the old South Stadium, um, in his room, and put, and I played, I don't know how many rounds of golf with Doke. um, I played some really good, usually I play pretty good with Doke. I don't know why, he has, like, a really calming demeanor for some reason, it's the way he talks, yeah. I always play, play good with him, and, um, I think the last you know I think we talked about it in the pod you know I think one of the last runs I played with him I started like at 67 or something he had his course that he belongs to uh, or out at, at uh, Wild Horse in Gothenburg where he's from so um, yeah there's we can get into I mean Depending who you know who comes on, they are actually playing. But I mean, it could be a, it could be a lot of golf talk in some of these pods.
1: How excited are you for Top Golf to open in
2: Omaha? You know, have you ever been there before? I have. I've been to the one in Arizona in uh in oh, Phoenix, God, still, whatever. Um, you know, it's it's not my jam.
1: Really. You do not have to be good at golf to be good at top golf. Correct, because I cannot hit a drive straight to save my life. No, but like me and my brother just get in there, we just try to whack it as hard as we can towards the fence.
2: It's like, see, like I if I'm gonna go play golf, like I want to go to a course and play. So it'll be really good in Omaha in January, February when it's. I don't know how. You know, I can't imagine. You know, it's going to be five degrees outside they're you know it's gonna be open i'll be interested to see what happens um i'd rather just go actually play golf but it's kind of like bowling for me it's like yeah i'll maybe go do it two three times a year but it's fun because you get to sit around you get a drink beer eat food it's quick it's you know it doesn't take up four hours you can do it it's fun um no, I'll, I'll I'll hit it up, but yeah, I'd much yeah. rather just go play golf. Yeah,
1: there was one down the street from my parents' house in Oklahoma City that we went to all the time because it's open until like 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. or something like that, mm-hmm. and they have heaters right. in the the like the little bays that you're in. And so we'd go with a bunch of buddies, and that's actually what I'm doing like the morning of my wedding because we're not getting to the venue until like I think we get there at 1 p.m. So in the morning we're gonna go there and drink some beer. And nice.
2: That's a good. That's a good call. I I a I'm not there. Was one we got married here in Lincoln. But there was one here. That, that's what i have done because we got married in March, which is actually, speaking of that, now it's a good reminder. My anniversary is coming up. There you go. March 8th. And in, today's what the 5th? Everything uh, yeah. recording? Yeah. That's so it. I got. <laughs> that's what happens. When You're you you welcome. Married, yeah. Thank you for reminding me. That's what happens when you've been married for 12 years, going on 12 years. Don't you let your wife listen to this. Yeah, right. Now she she probably won't hear it.
1: You just tell her, no, I remember. I had this planned like a month in advance. Uh-huh. We're good to go.
2: That's, whew. Jeez. I put a reminder in my phone. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: um, spring ball is coming up it would be a failure on my part if I did not ask you about Nebraska football with spring ball um, on the horizon it starts up next Monday Um, I I think it's interesting because fans keep getting asked and I actually asked the guys that I had on the podcast a week ago like what do you want to read right now what do you want to hear about from the team and the answer that I get so much is I don't want to hear about culture don't want to hear about how good the team is going to be or how good the offense can be like when we when we open spring ball, what do you want to know?
2: The truth, like call it how it is. Like I think that's kind of the frustrating. I don't want to say frustrating, but do you think we haven't gotten that yet, or like what do you? No, mean? I mean, there's always some sort of narrative. I think that they're trying to portray sometimes, okay. and I think you know what? Call yourselves a not a very good football team. We got to get better. They're four and eight and five and seven they're not a very good football team right now um they have to get better and i think that's some people don't want to hear it but i think that's healthy i think being up front and be like you know what we have struggled and we we have spent off season recognizing where we have to get better and that's and then starting from day one we've you know highlighted these four things we have to do and this is what our fo- focus focuses on for spring ball is we're going to get better at these four things so we can be you know let's be honest they should have been seven and five last year there's no reason why they should not have been seven and five at worst last year but they're not they didn't they didn't execute well enough um and then they're they're a five and seven football team so yeah just yeah i don't want to you know they you'll we're going to get yeah the the, the right amount of work was put in the off season. yes they're you're gonna but it's like you know, things have to get done for us to get... But I just want to be able just to call it like it is. And, yeah. you know, that's that's all I want to hear. It's the statement that we had the best Wednesday practice we've ever had. That's right. what I don't want to hear. Right? Yeah, it's like, come on. You know, I, I get it. Like, you want to... You have a job to portray um, positive attitude. I, I, I get that. But sometimes it's like, okay, you know. But I think it's... I just, again, it's just... I think it's just healthy for everyone just to call it and just be like you know what you know we've hit we hit the refresh button the re, i don't say restart because you're not re, it's not like you're installing anything new offensively defensively but we've identified these areas and we are hitting them at 100 miles an hour so we don't you know we can punch the ball in from two yards against purdue we can hang on to a 17 point lead second half lead going you know we can execute better in the in the red zone you know um things like that it's just i just want to you know i think it's good to be transparent sometimes and because you, you you do kind of you want to sh- shelter not shelter but just kind of protect, protect the kids it a little bit. bit a little bit but you know what they're they're big kids they can handle it i think sometimes they got to understand like yeah we, we gotta get better because this isn't this isn't the standard around here. I mean it's never should be the standard. So call it, call it like you see it is I think is is more than healthy in what should be said. Yeah, now that
1: you got me thinking about it, I'm thinking back to uh I don't remember what pre- it was like week seven or week eight or something like that. And Matt Farniak comes to the podium and says, Look, the snapping has to be better. Like I'm not gonna beat around the bush. We have to have on target snaps and I, I remember at the time I was like, Ooh. You like throwing your teammate under the bus a little bit there? This is new. We've never heard this before. It was a lot of like, oh, they're working, and he's putting in the right amount of work. It's just not happening on game day. But then Farniok came in and said, no, it has to be better, mm-hmm. and it's it's on all of us to make sure that it gets better, but it has to be better. And I wonder if maybe the fear for some people was that that was going to wreck Cam Juergen's confidence or maybe put him in a little bit of a hole or maybe – create some dissension amongst mm-hmm. the offensive line, or, or whatever the fear might have been, but um, I, there was a noticeable improvement in Cam from that point on, and it had already started. I mean, after the season began the way that it did, he was getting better, but I, like, I think back to that point in time where Farniok says that at a podium, and then for the next couple weeks, like we didn't mention Cam Jurgen's name, and if we did, it was because we were like, this is one of their more consistent blockers right now. Yeah, I,
2: it's, it's just healthy. I think... We're. I just. We just did a. I just record a podcast this this morning with, with Jack Riggins, a, re, a retired Navy SEAL, and he handles. Team dynamics as his next business. He's doing in communication, and we talked about a uh, healthy conversation. Guys being able to voice their opinion without fear of, someone taking it the wrong way. You know, and I think, that just shows that again we, uh, the. the I'd say the culture, but things there's something you can take away like, you know what? The the I'm gonna say it, the culture camaraderie, the the maturity of maybe that O line group is pretty damn good because he can take that criticism not as, Oh Matt Farnick doesn't like me. It's like, oh no, I do gotta get better. Mm-hmm. He's right. Like that's that's good. That's 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 good and that's what you need because again, natural reactions like, Oh my gosh cam's gonna take it the wrong way yeah. and that's just that's kind of what we deal with nowadays is someone's always taking offense to something right it's like no matt cares and wants you to play better you should care and want to play better go get better that's an end of story don't don't take it the wrong way so i think that's that's a good that's just what this program needs though they gotta quit trying to you know protect quit trying to um worry so much about people's feelings and it's like no we gotta get better at football man and you got to put all the other BS behind you and and work day in and day out. Were you a guy that liked
1: getting told the way it was, or getting called out if you needed to be called out? Yeah, I, let's you be honest. Like, to
2: that? yes, I did. I didn't like it, let's, because I think in people's minds you think you're 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 working really hard, or you're doing the right things, or you're doing it the right way. But sometimes you need uh, an eye awakening experience. I've, um, I told the story. Um, God, I was speaking to a, a group last spring um, and told them like, I got called out my second game, after the second game the year, we just beat Wake Forest at home. We smoked him, it was like 31 to three, like really good game defensively. I'm feeling pretty good about myself, you know, as a team wise, but I remember Coach Cosgrove from the on came in and he he, had never done this before he sat me down and he goes is something wrong and i go no nothing why i'm like why he goes because you played like after 31 to 3 yeah yeah i'm like huh he's like yeah you sucked like you're not you're not playing good enough like i expect more out of you like you you Practice well the first week, played well the first week. You didn't have as good a week of practice, um, and it shows, and I want to change. I mean, I was totally taken back at it, and it changed my mentality from, from that day on because I don't, I don't like putting those situations. I didn't ever want to get put in that situation again, mm-hmm. um, and it changed my mentality. It changed the way I practiced, um, and the cool thing was it changed the way I practiced, and I saw the results in the games. I start performing better at the games. And guess what? You get you get addicted. Like, okay, what can I do better now? What can I do better? The, you know, and, you know, if, if I did this, what? Can, you just get addicted to it. And Betts, that would have never happened if he didn't call me out. You can't take offense. He cares. Yeah. Like, he cares. And that's the – I always say you should – when they're yelling and or being hard on you because they care, when they stop, that's when you should be worried. all the worried because yeah. they've given up. Yeah because they they're like I I can't get you anymore. So uh, it's I, I you, it's, it, it it's tough getting it, but I responded very very well to it. It got the best out of me. Yeah. It always has. It always has. You think you're you always think you're working hard, but sometimes you can there's obviously ways to you can get more done. I'm uh this is going to be a random
1: transition, but I'm going to bring it back, trust me. Um I didn't watch Survivor up until like a couple months ago. My brother got me hooked on it. So I'm kind of watching my way back through a bunch of the seasons. I don't know if you ever... Have you watched Survivor? Like
2: early on. Okay. Like when I was in high school.
1: Like a couple years ago, there was a season that they had Millennials versus Gen X. And it was a culture war between the two. And when the season first starts and they introduce all the people that are going to be on the show, it was like every stereotype about Millennials and every stereotype about Gen X. It's like they took the dial and they turned it up to 10. And they were like just... Just speaking to our microphones every stereotype that you can possibly think of of the people on the other boat. And I was like, man, dude, I can't do this. I don't think I'm going to be able to get through this because I really don't
2: like the stereotyping of the two so, generations. So cause, uh, where is the, where's the cutoff between Gen X and, and, and Millennials? Uh,
1: I think the cutoff that they had of that was like 97 for millennials, and then it's like like when graduate high school, yeah, and then it's like gen- okay. or, or born born oh yeah, and then because I'm a millennial, but I'm on the tail end, and then
2: it's like anything.
1: I don't know if it so is I'm born 97. In 83,
2: so would I be my Gen X or my how millennial? old are you? I'm 30. I turned I'm 36, but turned 37. I think you might be a millennial. Yeah, I think I am. I, I, think, I think you somewhere. might be because there's like a I, there's
1: a uh, misconstruing of what everybody just labels like the younger generation right. as millennials, but right. like that, that's not the point. But I say that there are stereotypes about my generation and about this generation now where they don't want to work as hard as, say, your generation. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it's really interesting if you look around the landscape, not just in football, but in coaching in general, like coaches are getting younger because everybody wants somebody that can appeal to and resonate with the kids and the, the younger generation. Mm-hmm. And Frost is in that that interesting age range where everybody that you talk to that has interacted with him is like he's a players coach and he understands us but at the same time you listen to him talk about things like transfers or um you know sitting out or things like that and or or pay for play and he is his opinions are much more tom osborne than they would be like a 30 year old coach Mm -hmm. starting now and so i think i think he has Maybe outwardly it's a different picture, but at least within the program and within the walls, it seems like he has a little bit more of that, I'm going to tell you like it is, mentality with his players. Um, do you get that same sense? Do you think that it needs to be not just in like a, an internal conversation, but also when he's taking the podium for press conferences and things like that, he
2: needs to be more honest? Uh, I think he is pretty honest. Again, you, I do think you – there's a line you can tow i don't think you want to get to I think you know i mean i'm I'm gonna look at who I think is the greatest coach in college football right now that's Nick Saban, how oh, he handles his, i mean he doesn't really get into it's always a toughness attention to detail the process um it's it's his way and it's or no way yeah. um you know he's can be very hard on the media and um I, it's, it's tough. No, I think he does, like, he does a good job. Like, I think he does call, as he sees it sometimes, hey, we need to be tougher. Like, we're coming out and warming up in hoodies and stuff like that. And that's, I know that was a whole other deal, but it's, he's just calling out that they're not very tough.
1: That was the point that he was trying to make. Right, right, it was right. Like, people just, took it and ran right, with right, it. Right, right,
2: yeah. right. But it's like, no, it's just, they're not very tough. Like, they, sh- you know, I mean not you should be training or warming up in no shirt or whatever but you know you're coming out in that and hoodies and what you know stocking caps um it's just it's it's tough because you do i don't say there's a code but sometimes you can you hear it um from uh, portrayed in a different you know context um and you're like oh, he's talking about me yeah yeah and it's like yeah damn he is talking about me i don't want him to do that again like it's just a sense of pride that you you just like god i don't like being talked like that about that so i'm gonna change it you know it's either one way or another it's like i'm gonna tuck my tail between my legs and take my ball and go home or it's like you know what that's never happening again i'm changing it so no i think he needs it's good I, i i just think it's healthy yeah i think it's healthy being up front calling it like you see it um I, I mean, Coach McBride, the years I've done the radio with Schmitty, you know, there's times, you know, you need a kick in the ass, there's times you need a hug. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Like, love them, love them hard, coach them hard. And I think that's a good way to go about, go about in the business.
1: And that was a really long-winded way of me saying that I really, I think Frost has the culture about where he wants it. And he talks about culture keepers. And I think the he has that mentality of sometimes you need a hug, but also sometimes you need a kick in the ass. Mm-hmm. and i i really do think that you know because people are looking at the attrition that this program has gone through over the last three-ish years or whatever mm-hmm. yeah. it, it may be i really think that has something to do with it
2: of him coming in and saying nope this is the way we're going to do it get on board or get out but well, yeah it, it needs to be like that like it has to be accountability and it you, if it's going to be one way if it's saying this is how it's going to be it starts with him like he has to live it too he has to do the exact same things um because then, if all of a sudden, if, if he's trying to preach something, then he's not doing himself. It's, you know, it's starts falling on deaf ears a little bit. Um, no, it has to be. You know what? We're gonna we're gonna be on time. You're gonna go to class. You're gonna make sure you're getting your eight to ten hours of sleep. You're getting you're not missing meals. You're eating correctly. Um, c- yeah, because you want to be the best athlete and put the best product. But you know, it's just it's about being a good person too. It's taking care of your responsibilities kind of it's 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 making them a better human being for life after football too you know mm-hmm. um no it's be tough and it, it, it needs it this program this program this university yeah it's yeah. it needs it i mean it's just it, toughness is needed
1: and to tie it back to to this particular spring session um i think it'll be really interesting to see how they come out and, and what's said about the team throughout the spring and then the summer and into fall camp because now you know we've got two or three years for these guys in Zach Duval's weight room. And if you look at the, the construction of the roster and the way the class breakdown is right now, they have very few, if any, guys from the 2016 class that would be redshirt seniors in this. Mm-hmm. And that 2017 class has just been decimated by right. transfers or, or guys not really making an impact. So most of the guys on the team right now Not to say that they are Frost's guys, so he should be winning with them. But more, the point is, most of the guys on the team right now got here when he was saying, this is the way it's going to be. And it wasn't one of those situations where they were in one culture or one kind of locker room or one kind of meeting room, and then Mm -hmm. it changed suddenly and they had to adapt to it. This is all some of these guys have ever known. And for a lot of the guys on the team that are leaders, this is all they've known. So this should be, on paper at least... A season where things start to kind of coalesce a little bit. Yeah, it would
2: make sense because those are little things that you have to worry about that take away time to getting better at your craft on the field. You know, you're you're constantly hounding guys to, you know, go through warm up right, stretch right, worrying about meeting whatever. You they've been through it a couple years now. Now they know it. The you know the the train has been on the tracks now for a while now it's like okay let's start to focus on okay your alignment in this formation and when you see this coverage you know you can cheat it a little here to think like you're maybe an inside release but boom you pop it back out and now you got and it's like defensively okay now you know in this you get this look you can tighten down your 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 alignment to the offensive tackle or to the tight end a little bit so you can you can minimize the distance between you so you can come down on a a play away and make the, and it's just little details like that can now get, you know, you can get more into it because you don't have to worry about all that stuff. Yeah. Um, you And it should, it, sh- it should help. But I mean, it's just an interesting spring because the hype's not there. Like we like we've seen it, um, which I think is it's fine. It, it needs to, like, it's just, uh, <laughs> they, I think now to their point where it's like, they got to earn it. They got to earn and they need to. Like we've so long have been giving them, the West Championship or ten wins, eight wins. Like people are like, no, the schedule's brutal. Um, we've stubbed our toe way too much. We've been drinking the Kool Aid way too much. It's time to prove it and show it. I think it's I think it's a it's a really interesting but fun time because it's it's the, the, the with the schedule and year three of a of a quarterback in this in the same system and some a lot of people coming back that play a lot of good football within both sides of the football. It, it should be something, but the people are like, eh. they're still kind of like I'm not ready to commit yet. Yeah. You know, ask, you know, to be interested to see what it's going to be in July. But right now I think people are like, we're kind of, they're totally in wait and see mode.
1: I don't know if I have the authority to do this, but I kind of want to kick you off the podcast now because you said drink the Kool-Aid. That's my least favorite phrase <laughs> well, right now. Sorry I there. hate it.
2: Oh, well, well that's that's what people do. Yeah, yeah, you you're, you're exactly right. Like, and it's the best just, phrase for it. Well, it is because we have talk shows around here that <laughs> you know, have 4 hours of fill on a Wednesday in the middle of June. It's like what the hell do you talk about? I Maybe mean, NBA playoffs, baseball. It's like, but no, it's like hypothetical situation galore. Yep. So, and also, you can talk yourself in. I do it every year. And then you get S&P giving them a chance yeah. to be the 10th you can, best you offense You always can country. talk yourself into, yeah. like, two more wins. Yeah, It's like, oh, Adrian's in his third year. Yeah, you know what? They played pretty well at Ohio State two years ago as a freshman. They're probably <laughs> going to beat them this time. There's another one. Like, no, are you crazy? Like, <laughs> no. But it just, it never fails. It happens every year. Those last five games are brutal. Somebody's going to
1: be having a... a... An angry voicemail from Scott Frost on their voicemail at the the Big Ten
2: offices for the last two schedules that they've had to play. It's rough. It's brutal. I mean, seven isn't man I mean, I they could go seven and five, which to my, is, is really good, and be four and five in the conference. Yeah, it's one of those things where,
1: you know, I hope that the mentality is not. Um, we're going to be bowl eligible by the time we hit that last five game stretch, and it's we have to be bowl eligible by the time we hit that mm-hmm. last five game stretch because, I mean, even then, you know, they play Purdue in the opener. It's not an easy game. South Dakota State's never an easy team. Cincinnati People's constantly overlook them. Cincinnati could be
2: one of the better group of five teams. I mean, obviously, it's in a good situation. If Fickle doesn't want to jump ship to you know Michigan State. Yeah, it'll be uh it'll be an interesting start to the season.
1: Yeah, Jay, when's your podcast come out? It comes first out, one.
2: Uh, it'll be Monday. The this upcoming Monday the what's that the, I can't do math in my head right now it'll be the um, I go
1: back on the 7th so it'll be the 9th the 9th Monday,
2: yeah, Monday the 9th that Monday of, of the opening spring ball oh, press yeah. conference is yep. going to be released so you'll get to hear it with with uh, one of my good friends and one of the best people um, ever to set you know foot in the Memorial Stadium Doug Ostergaard the former head football trainer never should have been fired in, in the first place but um, he comes on and Tells a lot of good stories. Yeah. A lot of good stories. So be sure to be on the heads up and listen to that one.
1: Can't wait for it. It'll be on hailvarcy.com. It'll be
2: on uh, iTunes and I'm assuming Spotify
1: and most places where everybody listens to podcasts. So make sure you subscribe to that. Jay, you got work to do. Thank you for yeah. uh, thank you for you giving me yeah. some time. Yep, you got thanks, Derek. Joining the podcast now, I'm assuming he is on route uh, to the MIT Sloan Analytics Conference in Boston. Brandon Vogel,
0: how are you? I'm
1: doing well. I would
0: be be doing better if that were actually the case. I've always wanted to go to that. I haven't quite found the occasion to to get back there yet. Not only as it a, a combination of sort of sports and geekery that I I tend to traffic in, but I also lived in Boston for almost a decade. So, and I've only been back once since then. So it'd be it'd be nice to haunt the old haunts again.
1: When did you move away
0: from Boston? 2009 moved uh, back to Omaha. So, uh, back okay. well, back to Nebraska, I should say. So you had,
1: I think the Sloan, Con- it either started in 2005 or 2006. So you would have had a couple years. I'm surprised you've never been there before. I actually would have put good money on you have, <laughs> having attended at least one of them.
0: Yeah, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't working as a sports writer then much to my, my chagrin. So for that four year overlap there, and it, it was, you know, that, that first one was, was kind of a, it was it was easy to miss, and it's since, since grown into a, a big thing, but uh, yeah, had I known that it was going on, I, I certainly would have went, but missed, uh, missed my window there. It's one of
1: those things where I listen to uh, an NBA podcast every year around this time that either has like Daryl Morey or Sam Hankey or someone crazy on, and they talk about things that are way over my head, but I find it interesting every single year. It's kind of the way I feel whenever I read your stuff. It's It's way over my head, but it's interesting, so... <laughs> Um, the, the thing that we need to talk about, uh, we have to talk about it. We couldn't have gone this podcast without talking about it is JD Spielman. And that is why, uh, you are joining me now to kind of work through, I guess it's been a couple days. Um, so we we've been able to, to sort of sort through some feelings, sort through some reaction. Uh, JD Spielman is, has taken a what is being described as a temporary leave of absence from Nebraska? He's back home in Minnesota. He's not going to be participating in spring football. It'll be the second or third year in a row that he—I don't think he's participated in a spring um, period at all since he's been here. Um, the release that Nebraska sent out earlier this week said that that they don't expect his leave of absent absence, excuse me, to impact his academic eligibility, and they expect him back for. Fall uh, to to get ready for the season, Brandon. When when the news was officially announced, I guess what was your initial reaction to it, and has that has that thinking changed at all as you've had time to sort of sit on it and digest what's going
0: on here? Hmm. Um, well, my my initial reaction was was probably surprise that I guess the the door is still open for. For a return here, that's that's very rare in, in cases like this, and there are a ton of cases like this. Usually, it's a a player has left the program or a player has not, um, and so to get this this sort of middle ground, you know, made things made things pretty complicated. I I think and and look, you know, I think everyone kind of who has had the chance to even just kind of cover Nebraska with a J, with JD on it to to fans who have a really vested interest in it, of course uh Everyone in that group would like to see JD back. He's a great football player It's 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 kind of a joy to watch him do what he gets to do. Um, that said, I think time you kind of open this door it's <sighs> the likelihood of somebody walking back in it, it becomes pretty pretty slim so I, I think that's why you've seen and it's not just it's not alarmist it's just it feels pretty realistic in my mind of hey, the press release said this, and and yeah, that's kind of what everybody hopes will be the case. But these things become tough you know, when you get away from the team and the usual uh, schedule and, I guess, day-to-day part of it, it becomes a lot easier to stay away. So I think that's why you see a lot of people kind of proceeding as if he won't be catching passes for Nebraska in 2020.
1: I don't want to get into his academics. I think that's too personal but there's obviously stuff going on behind the scenes with him that that kind of um i guess set this whole process in motion for him but you know like you said if he if he was staying in nebraska and was just away from the team um but still around the team i guess or or around the university i I think that would be one thing but i think it's the fact that like you said he's not even in the same state he's he's at home um it it Things can always change, but at least the way I see it, it it would be hard to see him coming back into the picture. Uh, If that is the case, if he is completely out of the picture, Nebraska has lost uh, probably one of its most productive players in the entire team, just in in terms of what he's done over his three years. He's the first receiver in program history to have three 800-yard receiving seasons. Uh, He was on pace to break – Stanley Morgan's record and break a ton of Nebraska receiving records. And, and now Nebraska's leading receiver is Wondell Robinson, who couldn't handle a full season Big Ten load the way they were playing him a year ago. And their second leading receiver is walk-on Cade Warner. Um, you wrote a ton about S&P and, and sort of the the predictive models and projections being a little bit more kind to Nebraska this off season than they were a year ago. And a lot of that stuff is predicated on returning production and Nebraska just lost a ton of it. Does this change the way you view, let's go macro first, the offense
0: in general? Yeah, I think it has to. Um, I think to, to ignore that is, is wishful thinking, thinking to, to a degree. Um, So SP plus, with J.D. in the fold, had Nebraska at 92% returning production on offense, which was second nationally. And and what that gets you, and this was a, a large part of the reason that Nebraska showed up in some of those early top 25s, is because an offense in that position doesn't just tend to improve. It tends to improve by a lot. Um, I think half of the teams with 90% plus returning Improved by over a touchdown in an ST plus rating, which is, which is huge. You know, if Nebraska could go from 28 points a game this year to 35 points a game in, in 2020, um, that would be significant. That would change how you think about the season ahead. It doesn't mean that Nebraska can't do that anyway. It just becomes much more, much less likely when, when you remove JD Spielman, who was 35% of those returning or of their receiving yards last year. And over 40% of, of what they were set to return for 2020. So, I mean, that's that's the impact. And, you know, I don't know the secret recipe that, that goes into SP Plus totally, but just kind of looking at a proportional decrease, you know, I estimated it. And this is my number based on Bill Connolly's SP Plus ratings, uh, not his own, but I think it could be worth up to a a half win for Nebraska when you start estimating their win total. And if that doesn't sound like a lot, uh, it's not for a program like Alabama. You know, then you're talking about 11 and a half or 11 as kind of their over under. But for Nebraska, it might be talking about seven and a half versus seven. And if that's just the win total, you know, you're looking at one to two games on either side of that as kind of the realistic range. And as we know, you know five wins would be received much differently than say eight wins would and that's kind of the estimated I think real impact of, of JD's potential departure when you get into it from a numbers perspective
1: 35 points a game would have been a top 20 offense last year in college football so it's uh like you said like 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 I don't think people needed a number put on it to to know that you were telling the truth but that it's a big deal uh, especially with a team that has had and probably will continue to have a a pretty slim margin for error. On a micro level, Brandon, the thing that everybody thought about this offense when when Scott Frost and company first got here was that, and he he said this a couple times, was that schematically they're able to get receivers open. And so everybody thought that this was going to be a system that was a lot more plug and play than it has been. They've really struggled to find, um, playmakers at, at, at wide receiver, and the phrase that, that Frost likes to use is bullets on offense, and, and they just lost um, a, a pretty huge one. And so now, you know, just the wide receiver room in general, heading into the season, you're down a scholarship receiver, you're down a, a, a proven receiver that you can rely on. But for spring ball in particular, which we're about to begin, Nebraska has four scholarship wide receivers now. One of them is Wando Robinson. The other two, well, the other three are freshmen, two of them, redshirt freshmen who did not play a year ago, Jamie Nance and Demarion Houston. Jamie Nance played one game. I don't think Demarion Houston got into a game. And then the fourth is a, a true freshman early enrollee who, by all accounts, has been doing pretty well, but he's still a true freshman in Alante Brown. Are you concerned at all about the wide receiver room, one? And number two, do you expect them to be active in the transfer market?
0: Yeah, I, I am concerned. I mean, they weren't where they wanted to be uh, when this coaching staff showed up in terms of wide receiver numbers. And despite their best efforts through the first two recruiting classes, they still haven't gotten there because of so much attrition with that position in particular. Um, you know, so this so you end up with a 2020 class, which has five wide receivers in it, only one of whom is, is available this spring. Um, and, you know, as we know with any recruiting class for guys, you're always kind of waiting until they officially get there to officially be there uh, for lack of a better term. So, you know, there's just, there's a lot up in the air there. Um, I think if there, if there are some silver linings here to the prospect of not having Spielman, there are maybe two, there's one for a new wide receivers coach who you know, according to your own reporting uh, might have a slightly different approach to coaching wide receivers than, than your typical wide receivers coach. It's an almost entirely blank slate. Um, so that's something at least the other one might be, you know, JD, because he was so good. I I, I felt like some throws got forced to him at times last year. Um, with this, you don't have it. And it makes the spring really pivotal, 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 excuse me. Um, in terms of developing that trust among a group of guys that's, that's pretty young, and then, oh, by the way, you're going to double that group. But that's out there, too, as a possible potential outcome. I think you could see the ball spread around a little bit more, um, and, and it might be a case of letting the offense work a little bit more for the quarterback than, than has been the case at times during the past. That said, if you're Matt Lubick and you asked him right now, would you rather have JD Spielman available or not? Uh, he would say yes. So, you know, neither of those, even in combination, outweigh the, the potential departure of, of JD. But there are some things that, you know, a if they break Nebraska's way, but the depth, like that's that's a big big piece of it and, and a pretty big hit.
1: It is interesting though, and and I don't want this to sound like you know ragging on JD Spielman or whatever because I know he was well liked and and he was liked by his teammates and he was by most accounts a, a good presence in the locker room but I I just wondered especially as the season went on last year I wondered what the the leadership quality was there because he was one of the elder statesmen of the offense and he was um probably you know n- not fair to him but I mean he was going to be compared to Stanley Morgan in the sense of of what Stanley did off the field and what Stanley did for the wide receiver room, just because he was that next guy and he was so close with Stanley. And and I just wonder if, not addition by subtraction, but I wonder what the value is of, like you said, Matt Lubick coming in and there just being a clean slate for the wide receiver room of of guys being able to um, get reps. Like I think Chris Hickman is going to get some looks. Uh, I think, you know, a guy like Damarian Houston now gets more more of an opportunity. Well, I mean, this is not, you know, a hot takey. He's going to get more of an opportunity with J.D. Spielman out of the picture than he would have with J.D. in the picture. Uh, the, the guys are just going to have a little bit more freedom to go out and, and make plays, and I just wonder if uh, there's value to Lubick being able to come in and not have a guy that is was going to be a senior and was going to be kind of set in his ways, so to speak, right or wrong. Um, but he can really get that group behaving the way that he wants them to behave. And he can get that group doing the things he wants them to do. And, and, and that, I mean, that's the benefit of having young guys is, is you can teach them how to do things instead of having to reteach older guys, you know, the, your way of doing things. I just wonder, like, do you get what I'm saying? I wonder if there's value to that, for Matt Lubick, when he, when he really kind of gets into this and starts to, to work with the wide receivers?
0: Oh, I, I, I think there could be. Um, and, and I think, you know, we see this all the time with football in terms of coaches and teams trying to kind of construct an us against them source of motivation um, or, you know, some sort of hurdle that they collectively have to overcome. The You know, it's that nobody believed in us principle, but with four scholarship wide receivers, yeah, you can get that entire group together. Walk-ons included this spring and say like, all right, guys, like, this is us. This is what we got. Um, and if you, if you believe the you listen to the numbers or you listen to the talk out there, like we, they don't, we don't know, nobody knows anything about us. So let's go out and kind of prove everybody wrong. I think that can be, I think that can be powerful. Um, the 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 leadership part of it you're looking for somebody to kind of man that role um and we don't know what goes on in in the room most of the time we know that jd's pretty self-contained um all of the players seem to really like him they say he opens up a lot more kind of behind those closed doors but he was never someone who was out there talking about about that kind of role so you know even though he was going to be a senior it was tough to say well he's the he's the leader of that group so i think i think there's something to that it just kind of underscores that hey there's there's a lot of opportunity here and we need you guys to to be good and to kind of advance you know accelerate your timeline here because there's 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 no no time to wait now so i think all of those things can be real for nebraska you know, to kind of take it back to a numbers perspective, you just can't really model that stuff and predict it. So you look at it from a, hey, you just lost a guy who's never had fewer than 800 yards receiving in a season, which which really might be the most impressive thing about Spielman. Not just that he was good, but you see guys who are good early in their college careers, and then maybe they become the guy and defenses start to focus on them, and they're, they'll take a dip a little bit in terms of their numbers. J.D. never had that, you know. He had Stanley those first two years. This year, he had to be the focal point for a very young receiver group. Then, and he had his best yards in terms, or best year in terms of yards yet. So, that's a pretty strong testament to to what he was able to do.
1: Yeah, and he and he had his best game, I think, of his career against Illinois when he had 160 yards and he kept going over the middle and kept getting blown up and uh, kept getting back up and yeah. going back over the middle. So. They'll miss that I, one. One interesting kind of subplot I think that this creates is in the fall or in the summer when Omar Manning gets here. I don't think there was much pressure on Omar Manning. Uh, it, everybody expected him to be good, but I don't think there was going to be pressure on him because they had J D. and because they had Wandale. It was one of those situations where, you know, most people, myself included, just thought he can slot in and, and yeah. kind of do whatever, and it's not. They, they would need something from him, but they wouldn't need a lot from him, I guess, to to continue to improve. But now, if J.D.'s out of the picture, I do wonder if, if the pressure that goes on Omar Manning's shoulders becomes
0: an issue. It, it certainly could be, and I think that gets shared a little bit with everybody left remaining in that room. So, J.D. had 900 yards, almost 900 yards last year. you say, okay... Well, you're only gonna get 700 of that back because JD was just good enough to get the remaining 200 on his own. That 700 is gonna to go to other guys. But now instead of, like you said, the expectation was that Omar Manning probably has a great chance to start right away. Now he almost not just has to just start, but he has to be effective. Um, Xavier Betts, same sort of same sort of deal. You look at a guy like Cade Warner, as as a walk-on, and, and the guy who's played receiver the most at Nebraska so far, it kind of shifts a little of that weight onto him, too. So, I mean, that's really the big thing is you just you lose a lot of ability to be patient with some guys. And with a young group, um, if they show they're up to it, no problem. If, but if they are, like most young groups are, a little bit of a mixed bag, well, it becomes something you got to work around a little bit.
1: Brandon, wide receivers included in this if you want them to be included in it uh wide receiver aside if if that's the route that you want to go what are you looking forward to the most with spring ball what do you what are you uh most anticipating
0: yeah it's it's weird because with this it almost for me it almost shifts entirely to defense um minus you know quarterback will be kind of interesting to just see what the the day in and day out horse race nature of that is, if there is any sort of hint of that, um, which I think there probably will be because no one's going to want to give anything away. It'll be all guys are doing good, et cetera, et cetera. But you look at running back very similar to last year, you got Dedrick Mills there, but he's a relatively known quantity, I guess. So a lot of the spotlight flies, falls to Ramir Johnson. Let's see what he can do. And then you're waiting for guys to show up again in the summer, much like last year. So I don't know how much we'll learn about that. Wide receiver will obviously draw a ton of focus. But again, you're kind of waiting on reinforcements now. So for me, I look at the secondary, which you know has a bunch of guys where if you had to pencil in starters right now, you could do it pretty easily. But there's some guys, and some of them are coming off injury, um, may not be ready to go from the start, but – that's a really talented room that I'm, I'm looking forward to watching, and then defensive line is is the other one where you've got some familiar names, but you're going to need some some big contributions from new or only slightly familiar names. So that's going to be pretty interesting to watch as as we get into things next week.
1: It'll be a uh, a, a spring ball, not lacking in storylines. I think so. I appreciate. You and the rest of our Hale Varsity crew, letting me go sit on a beach while you guys try to tackle that.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, that's that's a one-time-only offer, Derek. So so I hope you're you're sure about what's uh, what's going to happen for you in the next week or so. And uh, we are we are all very happy for you and Alex. So I,
1: I'm actually planning on this being a yearly thing. So I'll just break <laughs> that news to you now. Like the first week of spring ball, I'm just going to go to Hawaii. Like. Okay. I think that that's going to be the path that we take.
0: With with your soon-to-be wife or? Yes. Is that well, TBD? TB. Okay, okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Don't get me in trouble now. Because this will be uh, the first time that I've ever been to a beach. And so it is 100% going to ruin beaches. So I think the only beach that we will be able to go to from this point forward is Hawaii. And that will be uh, the excuse that I tell myself. Uh, when, you know, the payment comes due.
0: <laughs> well, there you go. Now, so. it's, you, you're right. You're starting near the top of, of the beach experiences, I believe. I've never been to Hawaii, but um, it'll be it'll be tough to match up from there.
1: Alex is very excited about it because whenever she asks me, like, where I would want to go vacation, I always tell her, let's go to Chicago, and she never wants to just go <laughs> sit in the cold or sit in a, in a you know, city that has – stressful beyond belief traffic with people honking at you everywhere. And she would rather go sit on a beach. And every time I'm like, let's go to Chicago. Now she said, now that we've, we will have been to a beach. I hope that you will diversify your uh, goals when it comes to, to vacationing. So we'll see how that goes. Brandon, you've probably got work to do. Thank you for giving some time. Get yourself out to the Sloan conference and uh, we will talk to you soon. Okay. Talk to you later. That's it for this week. We'll be back next week with another podcast. Keep reading com in the meantime. Thanks, guys.